Excellent. Just press the red button on there. Okay, so um, welcome to Sunday School. This is um, the first in a two-week series. We're going to do two weeks before Christmas, and then we're going to stop. Okay, so this Sunday, next Sunday, then there won't be Sunday School for children or adults the week after. We'll have a bit of a Christmas pause. Uh, And this series I've called The Men Who Tried to Steal Christmas. I've gone all out on the handouts. Um, I've discovered borders on Microsoft Word. Look at that. My art teacher, I was saying Chris earlier, my art teacher at school stopped teaching me art because he said I was so bad there was literally no point. Um, But look at that, Mr. Kirk. Look at that border. Um, We're going to spend two weeks thinking about what it means that God became man. Thinking about the incarnation. Um, who, who Jesus is, and if I can put it this way reverently, kind of how that works. So I take it everyone in the room knows that Jesus is God and knows that Jesus is man. He's fully God and he is fully man. Um, so far, so good. But I just want to dig into that a little bit um, deeper. And obviously this, this time of year is a good time to do that. The reason I've called it the men who tried to steal Christmas is I want to look at four people. They're all men. Um, four men who in different ways undermined this understanding of who Jesus is. Um, and as we look at how they kind of undermined it, four men in church history, is that four ways they got it wrong, hopefully that'll help us to get a clearer view and perhaps tidy up some errors in our own thinking. Uh, at the top there is a line from um, uh, the carol, Low within a manger lies, he who built the starry skies, he who throned in height sublime, sits amid the cherubim. It's sea amid the winter snow. Um, a lot of those carols, they've got slightly naff beginnings. You know, was it really snowing in Bethlehem? Probably not. But actually, when you get past the kind of slightly naff Victorian English picture scene, they have some great theology. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. Incredible. So to warm us up, round tables, I've put four questions. Um, Just have a crack at them. Um, Given we've got... um, Given we've got... Well, we've got five tables, actually, haven't we? Why don't you guys have a go at question one? You guys have a go at question two. You guys have a go at question three. And you guys at the back have a go at question four. Okay? And if you've done that, I don't, don't take ages on them. Okay? So don't get sucked in and all the rest of it. But just, just have a go at them and then try and move kind of around the questions relatively quickly. So sort of cycle through them. But hopefully that means we'll cover all of them. Okay. I'm going to stop you there. We're going to spend a lot of time this morning in discussion. Okay? Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to hear your answers now, partly because we're going to come back to them, partly so no one incriminates themselves as a total heretic, you know, in front of everybody else. Um, but we will return to them. Um, and those are, they're not just questions that I made up in my study this week. Those are some of the questions that were being debated in the early church, particularly the first um, sort of 400 up to about sort of 480, so nearly 500 years, I suppose, of the church. Um, they were crucial questions that were getting sort of bashed back and forth and discussed to try and get to the nature, particularly of, or t- sorry, to the bottom of two questions in particular. One is trying to work out what does the Bible teach about the Trinity? And secondly, what does the Bible teach about Jesus when you know, God the Son became man? So I'm going to do a little bit of teaching and then we're going to go back in discussion. Um, what I want to, down on the sheet, so I've, I've called it the Christmas Creed. It's a little section from what's known as the Athanasian Creed. Um, a, a creed, credo in Latin just means I believe. So a creed is a summary of belief. And there, there are three or four of these creeds that really are held by almost all Christians uh, across the world. Um, you know, they're not particularly Protestant. They're not Catholic. They're not Eastern Orthodox. They're, not, they're just 
pretty universal, and they were, they were cooked up in the very early years. Now, obviously, they're not on the same level as the Bible. Okay, the Bible is the supreme authority. But they're an attempt to lay out what the Bible says on these, let's face it, really kind of head-scratchingly deep mysteries. And they tend to focus, again, on the, on the, on the Trinity and on the person of Christ. This is just an excerpt from one called the Athanasian Creed. Now, there was a man called Athanasius um, who did not write the Athanasian Creed, confusingly. Um, but it's a bit like, you know, when you kind of read a newspaper column or a book and it says, you know, by David Beckham, and you know he didn't write it. Um, but if you want to give it a bit of, you know, you put his name on it because it gives it a bit of authority. So no one really knows who wrote this. It's probably a group of people, but it got known as the Athanasian Creed because Athanasius was a great defender of the truth. So they kind of pinned his name on it. But anyway, here's a little segment from the middle. For the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man. Okay, so far, so good. God of the substance of the Father, begotten for the world, before the worlds, and man of the substance of his mother, born in this world. Perfect God, <coughs> excuse me, and perfect man, a rational soul and human flesh subsisting. Equal to the Father, as touching his Godhead, and inferior to the Father, as touching his manhood. Who, although he be God and man, yet he is not two, but one Christ. Now there's loads in there, and the whole thing would go on for at least a side of A4. Okay? It's a really long, it's the longest of those kind of great creeds. But just start at the end. But when we look at Jesus, if you, if you met Jesus in Galilee, okay, you saw him there. Look at that last line. Who, who are you looking at? Well, you're looking at God and man, but you're not looking at two people, but one, only one person. And so the, the, the short answer to the question, who is Jesus, at least in, in logical terms, is he is one person who is both God and man. One person in two natures. The two natures, if you like, are answering, to put it crudely, the what question. Okay, he is both divine and human. And when you look at his divine nature, do you see how he's described in the third line on, on our sheets at least? God of the substance of the Father. His, his divine nature is the same substance, i.e. the same divine nature as God the Father. Why is that? Well, because there is only one God. It's one of the most basic truths, if not the most basic truth of the Bible. There is one God. Hero is the Lord your God. The Lord is one. And so when you, when you say that Jesus is, 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 um, is divine, uh, you are saying that he has, and because, he, because it's impossible for this not to be the case, the exact same divine nature as God the Father or God the Holy Spirit. There is nothing missing when you look at Jesus. Okay? There's, nothing, um, there's nothing about God that is, is not there. He's not a third of God. He's not mostly God, but missing a couple of little sort of tweaks. He is fully divine. He is the same substance of the Father. At the same time, according to his human nature, he is, you see, of the substance of his mother. Uh, Mary really is his mother, and he is a real human being. We're going to touch on this later, actually, in the, in the sermon. Um, so I want to kind of try and balance things out, but obviously I realise not everyone at Sunday school will be at the sermon and vice versa. Um, but he is a true human being. Everything that is true of a human being is true of Jesus. 
Okay, without exception, everything that is true of a human being is true of Jesus. Now, clearly he doesn't sin. He's not sinful. But then it's not true of human beings that to be human, you have to sin. Okay, sin isn't part of our nature. Sin is a corruption of our nature. So everything that's true of Jesus, sorry, everything that's true of a human being, um, human mind, human soul, spirit, whatever you want to call it, human body, kidneys, um, mind, everything is true of Jesus. Uh, that's the great truth of Christmas. But here we come to our, our two thieves. Um, they're on the, the back of the sheet. Uh, the first thief who came along trying to steal Christmas, the first Grinch, if you like, was a man called Arius. Now, I don't do loads of history on him. Um, I put his dates down there. He lived from the middle of the 3rd century into the early 4th century. He was a theologian. He was a priest in Alexandria, which was one of the main, main cities in the growth of early Christianity in, in, in Egypt. Uh, Arius knew the Bible. Okay? He loved the Bible. Okay, he was not a guy who wanted to cut bits out of the Bible or ignore bits. He was a thoroughly Bible guy. And he saw in the Bible um, that Jesus was described as the son of God. Or he read Psalm 2. Um, uh, you're my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, begotten is a word for giving birth. Now, Arius knew that God the Father didn't sort of give birth in the same way as human beings, as if there's a God the Mother and God the Father. But he, but he reasoned, look, I'm a Bible guy. I've got to go with the text of the Bible. And the Bible says the son is, well, a son. He was begotten. Therefore, there must have been a time when the son wasn't and the father was. If you want to be really precise, Aris was too clever to talk about a time because he said it all happens in eternity. But for our sake, to keep it simple, basically there was a time when the father was there and the son wasn't. The son, in other words, was made by the father. And therefore, the son is a different substance to the father. They're very similar. And, and God the son, Jesus, okay, is as great as you can get. But if you've got a line, you know, let's say this line, that everything above here is creator and everything below this line is creation. So you and me, we're down here and Gabriel are here and chickens and hens and stars and amoeba and everything. All down here. Which side of the line is God the son? Well, he's down here. Okay, he's the top. He's as great as you can get in creation, but he's created, not creator. So Jesus, we can talk about Jesus being divine if we like, but he's not of the same divinity as the Father. There's thief number one. Uh, along comes thief number two a bit later. Uh, generational two later really than, than Arius, a guy called Nestorius. And now Nestorius saw that, that Arianism, the, the theology that came from Arius, was a disaster. Okay, so he wanted to push back against it. So he said, no, no, Jesus is of one nature with the Father, and he is of one nature with human beings. Okay, he, is, he is truly human and truly fully divine, not similar to God the Father, but fully divine in the same way. So then, then the story says, we've got a problem, haven't we? We, we need to preserve both these natures. He needs to be really human and, and really, really, really God. But how does that work? You've got these two natures that are just totally different. Creator, creature, immortal, eternal, invisible, omniscient, omnipresent, and just a human being. So the story said, well, what happens is you therefore, if you like, have um, essentially two Jesuses. Now, he wouldn't quite put it that crudely, but you've got two persons and the human and the, the, the God 
dwell together really closely. They're in perfect alignment. So the human Jesus just agrees in every way with divine Jesus, okay, with the divine nature. But there's no union, no personal union between the two. Um, so if you look at your creed again, the last line he would not like. Although he be God and man, yet he is not two, but one Christ. Well, no, he is two, says Nestorius, because otherwise you end up with a mess, a sort of hybrid or something like that. So two natures for Nestorius, fully God, fully man, but therefore two persons as well. The union is kind of moral and in agreement, and, but it's not, it's not actually one person. Uh, now, at this stage, or, or basically any questions on what they taught, okay, there are problems, they're both wrong, <laughs> but just because you're about to go into discussion, we need to understand what they were teaching before we discuss it. So does anyone want to ask anything on what they taught? Or is that, is that clear? Happy? Okay. In which case, we're going to think about what, why is that a problem? Okay, why is that a problem? What's wrong with each of them? Um, so again, just to... Oh, and, and what, what I'd like you to do is, is basically, talk about, basically talk about why they're disastrous, but I've given you a clue. Um, if you look at... Think about the areas of how it affects how we know God, how it affects salvation, and how it affects worship. There may not be something for all of them on each of the different heresies, but th- those are three kind of things to think about to help you discuss why they're so disastrous. Um... To, to kick off with, why don't you guys at the back do Arius and you guys at the front do Nestorius? And if you finish, you can just switch over. Okay, so round tables. Back over to you. Okay, I realise that is a. You've just got it sorted, great. Um, I realise that is a very short amount of time in, in order to uh, plumb the depths of the incarnation, but I want to have enough time to, to walk through things uh, afterwards. Um, the reason we're looking at the, these two guys, and there's two more guys next week, um, it's not really for historical interest. Some people like church history, some people don't. But actually, it, it's to lead us to, hopefully, to, to, to grasp more clearly in our, our thinking um, quite who Jesus is and, and also why it matters. Um, the thing is, with, with these questions, is you will not be able to find a Bible verse that um, just in kind of one sentence refutes what these guys say. If you could, the whole thing would have been wrapped up in about five seconds because all these guys want to be scripture guys. Uh, frankly, it's the same very often with, with Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the same with all sorts of funny cults and sects. Um, they don't come up to you and say, no, no, no Bible for us. What they do is distort the meaning of the Bible. So absolutely none of these men, okay, none of these men would have, would have denied that the Bible is the very word of God. That's what they were adamant on. What the debate was, was how does it work? And therefore, what, what had to happen was um, they, they had to sit down and thrash through. Okay, when you read the New Testament, or frankly, when you read the whole Bible... And we learn all these things, hey mate, uh, about God and man. Um, how can they all be true? How does it work? 
Now, you won't find, a, like, this is what I mean, you won't find a Bible verse that says, Jesus is one person in two natures. It's just, it's just not there. So should we say, well, Aris's view is okay. He saw, he's God, but in a different way to God the Father. Or Nestorius's view is okay. There's kind of two Jesuses. Can we just say, well, because you know, I've not got one verse that just says one person in two natures, we can just sort of let it go. Um, no, for, I think for some of these, these reasons. Um, and, it, and it might be worth saying that this is something, this is absolutely not my opinion. Well, it is my opinion, but <laughs> at the end of a very long line of people. This is the kind of thing that basically the entire church has ended up agreeing on. Uh, why do they matter so much? Why do they get so het up about these things? Um, let's think, think about knowing God. Um, Arianism, if Jesus is, is not quite the same as God the Father then actually, obviously, when you read the Gospels, you are not meeting the true God. There is a different God or a somehow different God behind Jesus. And actually, it's exactly the same for Nestorius, these two, if you like, two persons in two natures. All you're seeing is, is the human. All you're interacting with is the human. And so when you, all these wonderful things you read about Jesus, full of grace and his mercy and his kindness... Think, well, there is a wonderful man, the most wonderful man. But I can't be fully sure that, that actually that's what God is like. Because there is a distinction between the two. Think about salvation. Who rescues us? Who saves us? Or for Arius, it's not the God who made us, who rescues us. Remember, there's a creator. He made us. But then we have to be saved by a creation. The greatest of God's creation, but a creation. So the God who saved us is not the same as the God who rescued us. Uh, the God with whom we're in trouble because of our sin is not the one who dies for us to rescue us. Uh, therefore, the, if you like, the value of Jesus' death, it's not the death of the infinitely priceless God. It is the death of a really, 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 really great creature. Think about Nestorius, who dies for us? Or Nestorius, in fact, all these guys were absolutely clear. I said all the goodies as well as the baddies. Um, everyone was totally clear. God in himself can't die. Okay, that's just true. God can't cease to exist. He's not part of the universe. He's up here. You can't stab God and crucify him. He just can't die. Only creatures can die. Okay, God is immortal, to use the language of the Bible. And there really are Bible verses explicitly on that. So who dies on the cross? Well, for Arius... Again, same problem. It's a man united to a kind of less than fully divine God. So the value of his sacrifice, all the same problems come in. But, but even for Nestorius, two, two Jesuses, to put it crudely. Basically, a perfect man dies. But because there is no union with God, then it's just the death of a perfect man. And a perfect man cannot atone for the sins of the world. It's just the death of a perfect man. It's not, it doesn't have the value of the death of the Son of God. Or, of course, worship. Both the same, really, here. Um, who do you worship? Okay, for Arius, okay, you, I mean, you can't worship Jesus, can you? you? You can't worship the greatest creation God ever made. If you're orthodox, I don't know who you, you know, I don't know whatever you'd think was the best thing God ever made, um, the most mighty being, perhaps the Archangel Gabriel, I've no idea, but Archangel Gabriel. It's not okay to worship Gabriel. Just because he's the, the, sort of the most powerful thing God made, it's not okay to worship him. You can worship God alone. If Jesus isn't actually fully divine, well, there's no worshipping him. 
all, all these heresies undermine ultimately um, the gospel, the revelation of what God is like, uh, and undermine our worship. What that means, if you flick back to the, the first page, I'm just going to run through these questions. Um, and you can sort of self-burn yourself if you turn out to be heretics, you know, condemn yourself to the Inquisition. Is anything true of God the Father that isn't true of God the Son? Ultimately, no. Okay, there, there are no, um, other than the fact that one is Father and one is Son, there is no difference. Okay, they have the same divine nature, they have the same power, knowledge, glory, authority, everything, because there is only one God. There is nothing that God the Father can do that the Son can't. We're talking in and of themselves, by the way, just sort of up there as they are. There is no, um, there's no difference in their nature. They have the same nature. Therefore, there's no seniority in the Trinity. It's not like God the Father's in charge and God the Son has to do what he's told and God the Holy Spirit is the kind of bottom-ranked one. Okay? They all have the same authority because there's only one God. Now, what was our next one? Is it right to call Mary the mother of God? Here's one where you instinctively read that and think, well, of course not. That's, that sounds like Catholicism. But actually, this was the question that caused um, all the debates over Nestorius. Um, Nestorius really didn't like calling Mary the mother of God. He said, no, he's, she's the mother of, of basically human, Jesus. We shouldn't call him Mary the mother of God. Now, this, one, this one is a really bad one to deal with in two minutes. But... All the Orthodox guys came back and said, no, you must call Mary the mother of God. Okay, it's totally legit to call Mary the mother of God. Um, obviously not meaning the mother of the divine nature or something. It's weird. Um, hey. um, but meaning, he's totally fine, by the way. Um, but meaning that Jesus is God. Okay, because Jesus is fully God and Mary is Jesus' mother, therefore Jesus is the, the, the mother of God. Okay, not just the mother of the human nature. The, she is the mother of the person. Who is God and man? And it really is the same question. Should, should, should we say God died for us? Well, God in himself cannot die. Okay? God cannot suffer. God cannot die. But because God took on flesh, then anything that is true of um, Jesus... Okay, oh, let me put this way. Because God took on flesh and God the son became man then it's totally okay to say god died for us so in acts 20 i think it is um talks about god shedding his blood it's like what does it god doesn't have blood well sure but it's just it's if you like it's shorthand <laughs> if you want to flesh it all out you'd have to say god died for us according to his human nature okay so it's as man that he died but who is the person who's doing the dying for us the person is the son of god who took on flesh so it's the same as the, the mary question um, if you want to flesh out the whole answer mary is the mother of god the son according to his human nature okay i mean that's the full fleshed out answer but who is the person who is born of mary there's not a separate human person called jesus who is attached to a, the divine person called the son but the person is the son of god who now has a human nature and so therefore mary is the mother of the son of God or God. And that's that, that last one is that the one that Nestorius in particular um, got uppity about. It's also the one I realise causes the most kind of like, mm, sounds funny. Um, but there is a, a pretty universally agreed answer uh, on that. So there we go. Two men who tried to steal Christmas. Um, 
because we're not doing electronic setup stuff, because um, we haven't got any of our techies, we've got, I reckon we've got time for a couple of minutes' worth of questions. Then I want to ask Andy, Mandy, straight up. <laughs> Mark's looking worried, but yeah. Basically, if, what happens if you, you're wrong in your thinking? I know it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could Arius have gone to heaven or Nestorius or one of these guys or someone who thinks like them? Yes. And God allowed it for three centuries to go on. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know whether these men actually are, you know, I don't say it or not, yeah. but they were sincere, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's a, really, that's a really, really helpful question. Um, I think you've got to distinguish um, between um, what, is, what is the truth, as in that God has revealed in his word, which is what we're trying to get at with all this, and what the creeds are all about and all the debates are about. What has God revealed that is true? Um, that is, and obviously, actually, that contains a lot more than just the Trinity and the person of Christ. It talks about the nature of the Bible and angels and the fall and sin and the heaven. And there's loads of stuff God's revealed. Ideally, we'd all believe all that perfectly, but we don't. None of us do, because we're sinful, so we're corrupt. We, our minds are small, so we can't get our heads around it all. So there's always a, dif- a dis- disjunction, a difference between what God has revealed, the truth, and what any one person over here grasps of it and so all sorts of people in fact not just all sorts of people all of us will go to heaven and then we're like oh flip I was wrong about that and oops uh, uh you know so I, I think it's it's a question we don't even need to try and answer massively kind of how much can you not know, like I, I don't, we can, you can be you can be horribly confused and God is gracious and you end up in heaven um, can't you? I mean, you could be horrible. You could be. You could not believe the Bible is the word of God, and you could go to heaven. I mean, it's not absolutely essential to believe the Bible is the word of God to go to heaven. You've, what, what has to happen is you have to put your trust in Jesus, repent and believe for your sins. You know, I. So I need to take Jesus as Savior and Lord. Um. You know, if you take the thief on the cross, you said to the thief on the cross, "Oh, you, you know, he's obviously going to heaven today. You'll be with me in paradise." He said, "Oh, just you know, you've got a few minutes left." Um, Talk me through how Jesus is both man and God. I don't think he'd have had much to say. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know. I mean, he seems to be God and he's a man. And I, 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 that's all right. You know, he wouldn't have been saying, well, he's of one nature with the Father, not two Christ, but one. He's equal to the Father's touching his Godhead. In fact, you know, he's just not. And, and likewise, yeah, loads of us will be like that. 
So I don't, I don't think, I don't think you need to, because your salvation is not based on your perfect theology. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Your salvation is based on the grace of God, who brings you to life um, through the power of the Holy Spirit and makes you put your trust in Jesus. All sorts of confusions slowly unravel over the years after that. Um, but it, yeah. But I don't think we need to, t- yeah, definitely don't need to panic that we might have got the Trinity a bit wrong or because slightly welcome to the club. Yeah. I hope that sort of answered the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete, with due trepidation. It's not a question, but a Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, if one goes, I don't know whether anybody's been to Ravenna in Italy, um, if you go to Ravenna, you can see the baptistries which were put up by the Arians. And what's interesting is they've all got mosaics on, on the ceiling. And if you look at an Arian Jesus, it is a human Jesus. It is completely different from the other mosaics you see at the centre of the churches. And you just have to look at that and think, that is bonkers. It's completely wrong. Um, so just a visual element. There we go. Venice, not Ravenna for your holidays. Uh, that's um, Anastasia. What happened to the Trinity when Jesus died? Okay, here's my really short answer. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing happened to the Trinity when Jesus died. Um, that, I mean, that is, that is like, um, because... Nothing can happen to the Trinity. There's one God in three persons who dwell outside of time and they're not in the creation. So Jesus dies according to his human nature. The Son of God dies according to his human nature, not according to his divine nature. So there's no tearing of the Trinity apart. It's just, I mean, it's just impossible because there's nothing to tear apart. There's only one God, so how can we, what, I don't know what you'd be doing. Um, so the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me line um, is not... Is not about the Trinity being ripped apart. Okay, it's about Jesus, the Son of God, according to his human nature, suffering in all sorts of ways. But the Trinity is here. Okay, you can't nail the Trinity to a cross. Nothing. God doesn't change Malachi three, James one, is it or two? Or um, yeah. So nothing happens to the Trinity. Um, got last one, really quick. Yeah. So that, and that's the same. Jesus Christ now is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he, he, he remained. The incarnation is not something that stopped when he went back to heaven. So he took on flesh, became man. He didn't then abandon his manhood when he went, went back to heaven. He, he remains fully man, fully God. Um, yeah. And on that note, I, I realize I'm asking up loads of questions. Um, we've got one more session next week, and we've also um, do Grammy to chat more. Um,